Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Have you ever been stuck in a team that seems to go around in circles? Today, we've got a letter from a listener who's looking for some advice on how to kickstart a passive team. I'm joined by Corinne Cantor. Hello. And Liana Sangster. Hey. And we're going to help this uh, listener out with a, some advice for them. So if I start off with the letter, Dear Culture Bites, I'm part of an innovation team which is tasked to develop new products for our company. Our team should be constantly trying out new ideas, learning, and developing. Instead, we go around in circles because no one really wants to make any decision on how we proceed forward with an idea. The common response is, we need more information before we can decide. It doesn't help that we don't have a clear leader in the group. Our manager looks after several teams. We have tried to set a process on how to move forward, and we'll follow it for a few weeks, but then it gets forgotten. Also, when a new idea is suggested, we tend to focus more on why it won't work rather than why it will, which is a total motivation killer for me. As a team member, what can I do to influence the team to be more achievement-orientated? So if I just recap that a bit, we've got a passive team. They're an innovation team. They're kind of going around in circles. They can get ideas but don't really know how to then move on to the next step, and they don't have a clear leader. And I guess what's interesting about this question is that it's coming from someone who's just in the team. They're not the leader. So what can they do? So what do you think, Corinne? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, first of all, that when you've got an innovation team that is reluctant to come up with new ideas, it's problem A. But often, culturally, it means that something must have happened in the past and the way that the culture works, that people aren't prepared even to take the smallest of risks to speak up in case they get it wrong or in case they look stupid or whatever the reason might be. So first of all, there's a cultural issue here that prohibits people from actually coming forward. So I think if you're a team member in this team, one of the things that you can do, and it sounds like you've already started to do it, is there's often safety in creating some structure. So be really clear on what the goal is, get agreement and a unified purpose in the team on what it is that you're there to do and and get some agreement on some criteria on what good looks like so that people have a sense of what it is that they're shooting for and then have quite a structured process around how the team is going to solve this problem. Because when a team is passive, they're looking for levels of certainty. And so in the absence of a leader, you can quite achieve that sense of certainty, even as a a participant, by actually providing a really clear framework and a really clear step-by-step process. As the team gets more comfortable with actually taking small risks, you'll find that they start to run the team automatically. It'll be more organic, but initially it has to have a little bit more structure. The other thing is there are sort of five sort of golden rules, I think, in helping teams communicate well and to participate in this kind of process. One is, and it's they're fairly easy to just sort of share with the team, one is listen, so listen rather than reloading, suspend judgment, speak up and respect. But the fifth one that I think would be really helpful here is an agreement that you're going to build rather than bust. So one of the problems when innovation doesn't happen is because people get into evaluating the idea too quickly. And so this is reversing, flipping that around and getting people to actually, instead of saying what won't work about it, the focus is completely on how it could work. 
And so it's almost a rule not to evaluate whether it's realistic, evaluate whether it can happen, but really the agreement and the rule is how can we make it work? Under what conditions could it work? So what I'm wondering is we can bring in a process and it sounds like the listener has brought in a process before. So they said that they've come up with a process and they stick to it for a couple of weeks, Mm. but then it kind of gets forgotten or put by the wayside. So how can a passive team stick with a process? How do you make it stick? Mm. It is an interesting one. I agree with what Corinne has sort of reflected there for that group. One of the things that I notice in teams like this is that to Corinne's point, there's a cultural or a group norm around this behavior. And so in this particular team, they're coming up with ideas, but they're stalling at action. And so that seems to be a habit, if you like. One of the things that they might consider in this team is actually raising the awareness around some of those habitual behaviors. And so I think having a very clear goal and what does that goal look like? How are we going to achieve it? So getting everyone aligned on on what excellent looks like for this team but then actually working with them to raise some awareness around what is it that we're currently doing that's getting in the way? What are we doing well? And it's actually starting to raise individual awareness around how the group is working together in order to achieve it. Absolutely. So I think it's a really interesting part that so many teams never have that conversation, mm. right? We get on with the doing, but we never talk about how do we actually perform as mm. a group? You know, how do we work together? We never have that conversation. So if we were going to have that conversation, how would you approach it? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, what um, Liana said. Look, one of the simple things that you can do is a SWOT. So get everybody involved in looking at getting them to work on the team rather than being in it and just look at what are our strengths, what are our weaknesses, what are our opportunities, what are our threats. And I do this regularly with teams. It's really simple, but it's enough structure so that people get working on the task together and then out of that, you create the team becomes aware of its pattern and its way of operating. And then they, f- they focus on the opportunities in terms of what could we do differently. And then you could use the keep, stop, start framework. So two steps, do a SWOT and then do a keep, stop, start. What are we going to keep doing that's working? What are we going to stop doing because it doesn't help? What are we going to start doing? And I think what you said, Dom, too, is really important in that what's clear is they start to They agree on an action and then it stalls. And I think one of the things that they could start doing is just each person take it in turn to take responsibility for running the meeting. Okay, so getting different, because they're missing their leader currently. Yeah, yeah. So can you take different turns? Does that ever come, though, that then there's no one ultimately responsible? How do you deal with that? In this instance, we're talking about a team that's meeting to problem solve and problem mm-hmm. solve in a creative way. So I think the issue of responsibility is bigger than the individual team meetings because they do have a leader that is accountable for the work that they produce. It's just that that leader doesn't get to the meetings very often. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're talking about here is individual leadership and everybody being a leader and taking ownership for the, the common work that the team has to do in that meeting on that issue that they're trying to innovate around. Does that make sense? So I think the, the leader is there in terms of ultimate accountability. So I think the issue of not somebody not taking responsibility probably isn't there. What's happening is in the day-to-day movement, in the day-to-day working of the team, it's everybody taking ownership for how the team works together. 
So how do you get people to take that ownership, though? If they're a passive team, they're going to naturally kind of step back from taking that ownership. So especially as a team member with your peers, how do you get them to to step up and grab hold of it? I was just reflecting on what you were saying there, Corinne, about the reason underpinning, I think, your suggestion around why we move that sort of leadership hat around a group like that is because in passive teams or passive cultures, it's easy to point the finger to someone else and it's safe to let someone else make decisions. So how do you encourage others to come forward and step into that and have a play around with actually what it feels like to kind of make some decisions? And as for how do you encourage individuals to do that? I mean, first of all, I would always go to raising some self-awareness around what is your propensity, right? To take on them all about what is your role in this and how, what do you bring to the equation? So there might be some structural things that Corinne would recommend. I would be looking at how do you encourage individuals to look at their own growth and what kind of behavior or style are they bringing to the group and what can they learn from stepping up? So I'm all about kind of focusing on using it as an opportunity for individuals, I suppose, to learn more about themselves. So could we use that stop, start, continue that we talked about for the team? Could we also do that for ourselves as individuals of that team? Yeah, look, ultimately... I think the question for members in this team is what's getting, how am I getting in my own way? What is it that's stopping me from coming forward and speaking up? And ultimately, there's an individual awareness piece. But definitely for this person who's a team member, keep, stop, start, SWAT, they're really easy things to begin. Just make a beginning. In terms of how do you get a passive team to step up, they need certainty. And that's why structure is important. So structure provides certainty in the absence of a clear leader and in the absence of definitive assurance because what you have is a very clear pathway about how we are going to do this, what is your role in doing this. So the structure I think is really important because what they need is a sense of safety and certainty. So that process as well as the format is what's important. And if you involve them in that by doing the SWOT, and it's a good point, they, there's nothing to stop each of them once they've done the team swap to go away and say, okay, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What are my opportunities? You know, what gets in my way? When What triggers me? Then you get the individual piece. But I think if you're looking for something that you can do straight away, experiment with getting this team, some movement in the team. And with a passive team, what you're looking to do is to help the team act. It's always about the action. And so start with some structure, be clear about the goal in terms of the end point, be clear about what good looks like when you get there, be clear about the role that everybody's going to play, explain that right up front or agree it right up front. And they're your baby steps. It's achievable because there's no, the risk is minimal. Mm. And so it's an encouragement for people to come forward. Mm. Just to build on that, it's a really good point that for this particular individual, what she's seeing in this group, and if they're responsible for innovation, is quite possibly what the organisation is encouraging. So what for her to manage herself in that environment, I could imagine she would be feeling frustrated. But this is actually an opportunity to road test what it would be like to actually implement change in a broader organisation. And so if things are falling over, there is a data point there to explore in terms of why hasn't it translated from idea into action? 
was it too big of a leap for these individuals? Do we need to pair it back? So it's kind of like a data point worth exploring for her. And I think one thing I would build upon on that, the group work would be to think about over and above that, what does good look like and taking some small actions, perhaps working in as part of their group process, a reflection on how they, how they work as a team. So actually at the end of every meeting, how did we go? What happened? What was, where were our stalling points? And actually making that part of the practice. The other thing that you might do is change the length of the meeting. So start off single focus, shorter meeting, just to get that sense of energy and movement and structure. Because what you're getting people to do is to test it, put their toes in the water. That could be useful as well. And one of the things that I thought, Dom, we could do is actually put some of these frameworks and ideas up on our website if people are interested in going and having a look at how we've responded to this question. Absolutely. So it'll be on the uh, podcast page for you to download after this episode. One more question for me is the individual who's written this in sounds like they're probably more of the achievement side. And so that's where they're getting that clash, right? That they want to go, but they can't seem to bring the team with them. And what we know about culture is eventually it kind of will change you, right? So, you know, and with teams like this, you know, often they start off really promising, but something's happened along the way and now they've kind of gone passive and, oh, you know, we've tried that before. That's a classic line that passive teams use. So as for that, for this individual, how do they kind of hold to that constructive mindset without kind of being changed to being passive themselves? Yeah, it's an important one. I think the best way to do it is for for each of us and for this individual to be really clear about what's important to them in terms of their own growth and to set some goals around that and to set some goals for their work because when things sometimes feel like they're overwhelming or they're falling apart or you can't get to do the task in the way that you want to do, those goals, especially if you write them down, they're there to remind you what you've decided is important for you. And so it's important that they've got some goals and some clarity around where is their growth in this role? Okay, why did they accept the role and what were they hoping to maximise in their development around this role? And to write, you know, two or three things down. And um, so I think that that's really important. And also the key thing with achievement orientation is that you're constantly asking yourself, where is my effort going to make a difference? And certainly I do that all the time. So if I'm feeling like I've got a lot on my plate or if I'm feeling like I'm not being very successful in getting something done, I always go back to where is my effort going to make a difference? And what I find really interesting about that question and such a powerful question is that working with all my clients, we always know what the answer is. And so you ask that question, you'll know what the answer is. And the key is not to second guess yourself, just move into action. And that's really, I believe, one of the the simplest and the clearest ways to stay in that achievement mindset and not be drawn into a passive cultural norm. It's a great question. I agree with everything Corinne said there. I think one of the other things, talking to people that face with change, so whether they're an internal change agent or they're looking at culture change, innovations is still ultimately a change, right, change in how they do things, is that they face the challenges of what they're trying to change. And so they're rubbing right up against, if it's a defensive culture, if it's passive, they are rubbing up against it. So yes, keeping in mind the goal. I think the other thing 
I would remind individuals they can sometimes experience frustration around not getting the traction they want. So you get a consultant, right, that might come in and go, what, this is my advice. Why don't they just take it? You know, it's like it's that simple. But remembering that everything you do is a data point, okay? So we're going to test this and it gives us some feedback. So at the moment, she's getting feedback. And so to take it on as a, from an, I would say it's also an achievement orientation, perhaps part self-actualizing. Okay, so let's reflect on actually what happened there and trying to be a little bit objective about why this is happening, why it's not working, and how do we shift? So how do we just keep shifting with to meet the culture where they're at and move them forward versus get frustrated with it, which puts your energy into a defensive space when you're, you're feeling frustrated, keep it up into that, okay, what did we learn, what will we do next? I also think keeping a little progress journal, you know, you can decide when you write in it every day. It's great to build some reflection time in at the end of the day and just think, okay, what went well? What would I do differently? What did I make progress on? I think progress is really useful because sometimes it takes a while to get projects on track, but you're always looking to create some progress and making progress isn't about perfection. It's really about moving forward and feeling like my effort has made a difference. And therefore, whether it was a tiny step or a giant leap, it's all good. It all is taking us in that forward trajectory. So I think there are a few little practices that you can do just to keep yourself up in that constructive mindset, behaving in a constructive way as the culture is coming to grips with needing to move to a much more achievement orientation. Fantastic. That's great advice, guys. So be clear with the goals for the team up front. Stop, start, continue for the team as well as a SWAT. So what are our strengths and weaknesses? And that could even be for yourselves as individuals as part of that team as well. But it's also taking the time to reflect on how do we actually perform as a group? And that could be in a session specifically for that, but also just at the end of meetings, like you say, Liana, that we take time out and, okay, how did we go? And then on a personal level, it's about focusing on where does my effort make a difference, keeping a reflection journal on, okay, what's the progress we're making and listening to the data points and learning and adapting as we go forward. Fantastic advice. I hope that helps our listener. Um, I hope so. <laughs> let us know. Yeah, if it does, yes, please let us know. <laughs> All right, we'll give, we'll give an update. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, you can email us podcast at human-synergistics.com.au and we'd be happy to answer it. Thanks for your time, guys. Awesome. Thank you.